cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. And a big warm welcome to the Barstewers Inquiry Sunday Sermon. This is where we banish our sins and enter confession for this week's hot topics and also racing review. Yesterday we can go through the, the sins and the, the goods and the bads and uh, make you all feel better about your losses. Uh, over the weekend. Joining me tonight to chew the fat, as always, are my two regular partners in crime, John Lang of John Joe's Blogspot. Good evening, John. Evening, Al. And also joining me is Lorne Malvo, certainly not short of opinion and a great addition to this, this show. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. So we've plenty to talk about. We've got some interesting topics coming up, but of course, as always, we like to go through yesterday's racing, well, a bit of today's racing as well, actually, and just chew the fat a bit on that. So I'm going to ask John to, to comment on a few incidents of yesterday. We'll not focus too much on the jumps because we're all bored with the jumps. And um, <laughs> the, the the 150 race, Dusart managed to win um, under Noodle Arms, Nico. Noodle Arms, Nico managed to get Dusart back up. Beating, I thought, John, a very, very nice horse in Ruth Jefferson Sounds Russian. Has she got another waiting patiently on her hands? Well, let's hope not. Otherwise, it'll be going somewhere else, won't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was impressed with that horse, really. I mean, despite the fact got bait by a horse that shouldn't even have been running. No, it ran really well, didn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think, do you know what? I think that they are too, too, I mean, Dusart is Dusart. I, we kind of, we knew what Dusart was going into the race. We we kind of know that it's a little bit better than 147, probably early 150s, probably turn up in, in, in Labrooks next November. That sort of, that's that yeah. type of Dusart might be. But I just thought Sounds Russian were interesting because it showed that little bit of class to keep with it. Yes, and, and 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 then have that little bit of foot to get in front of it, and I think it was only the probably the class of Dusart that, that that beat Sounds Russian on that day. I think I think Sounds Russian will just keep progressing and getting better and better. So I'm just really interested to see uh, what happens with that because yeah, it's a horse. He could win one of them funky little races at Cheltenham in the autumn, couldn't it? Maybe you know Ruth's not had the best of times. I do I do think this could be a. Well, I, oh, I, Yes, <laughs> absolutely, an hour of wheat. To be fair, the tipping from the Bastards Saturday wasn't disgraceful. Uh, I'll no. come on to, to John's in a bit because we've got Leopard's Town to talk about in a bit. But I, I thought, on the whole, I didn't think we were too bad. Adam got Bermeo. We sort of got the forecast. I mean, I want, a, I want mine to win. Fuck Adam. Um, you know, I mean, but you know, we we did all right there. Dusart filled the hole. Uh, yeah, it was he was all right. We, we there were no trees pulled up, but we we we, we wiped our nose a little bit, I think, on on the on the between the three of us. So that's more or less it for air. No, it's not the <laughs> the Scottish national. Good old Christian Williams, the Welsh mafia, having the one-two job. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Let's move on. <laughs> I pretty much concur with that. Except John Stevenson's been on. He said, uh, "Kid Kitty's light got robbed in the Whitbread. 
unlucky in the Welsh national, and his owners then then find that their own trainer is clobbering them with the other one. How would the Bastards have taken yesterday's defeat if they earned it? A bit like they took the 2009 Aber, probably. <laughs> no, yeah. no good. It's like, dog, it's like dog racing when you pop one up and the trainer's got another one that's meant to be nailed to the floor and that takes off. It leaves a sour taste, doesn't it, when, when, the, when the Kendall or the stable mate wins. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, the Welsh have got got some decent carrots there. Uh, I think them two could have gone round again. I think that I think they're one by six fences yeah, with another lap. So well done, the Welsh. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they trained them throughout a season and managed to get lots lots well handicapped. And you never know when it's D Day. So it's, nice a, it's a ring of six men we're well I'm saying win my wings, Jesus! It was sprinting. It was absolutely sprinting. The third horse I backed, Major Dundee, he's he's lazier than me. And um, you know, it but I mean, wing my wings went past that like a like Agedal. And uh, yeah, that was it. Good goodbye. Uh, so well done the Welsh. You you they've certainly had the uh, the stain some of the stain prizes recently uh, certainly sewn up. So good luck on that. Okay, we've had enough of jumps now. I'm not even covering them. We're not going there. It's rubbish. So we're gonna go to Leopardstown job because there was some interesting trials on the oh. flat on, on Saturday. And um uh, the Bally Lynch Red Rocks two thousand guineas trial was won by Dr. Zemph, slightly slower time than the Phillies race. <coughs> um I wasn't particularly impressed with that race. I just wondered what you thought. I didn't think Dr. Zemph come and announced from last year. Yeah. Understand. Uh, um, I, th- I, I didn't think it was pretty set as a two-year-old anyway, but um, I was I was rather disappointed with him physically. There was uh, there was no improvement whatsoever. I could say really. Um, I think the the overall form bar that out. I think he's run about hundred there to win that. I was disappointed with the race. I just I didn't it didn't give me a good feel. Um, I I do think a lot of the Aidan O'Brien horses so far have been either short of of fitness or maybe I don't know. I know a lot of them are just not quite running the races, so I'm not sure how, how much I value this that form to be honest, especially with the time being on the moderate side. So yes, I think we'll take a negative view of that race between me and John. If he wasn't impressed with Doctor Zem physically, and I do respect John's opinion on uh, on the, the physical side of horses as they go from two to three. So we go to the uh, thousand guineas trial. Um, that was that was the uh, race won by Homeless Songs in a, in, a, in over a second quicker than Doctor Zem. Certainly a more visually impressive performance. Uh, John, anything that that, that that you took from this race? Well, I, I, would, I would say I was well impressed with the winner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, no one would be really. Um, what, one I did take from the race as well was Panama Red, who finished last season on an upward curve. Didn't get the best of red yesterday, but left a distinct impression there's more to come over a mile with this under a belt. I thought that was a very eye-catching race. And... Uh, the other one that took out of the race was Sigamia of uh, Mr. McCreary's with Billy Layup. He must have thought he was sitting in a Ferrari turning in, and then all of a sudden he was sitting on Steptoe's car to the minute he pulled the house out and she saw daylight. 
That is probably the biggest cunt I've seen since Katie Price had an accident with her knickers. <laughs> to be honest, absolutely climbed that. Um, I, would not let, I would not let that run anywhere without sticking in a right short lay. Because I, I think that horse is a See, so we've gone from the sublime from John there in Panama Red to the absolute bastard of the equine world in Sigarmia. Great I, interesting. I should have been second at least yesterday. And God, she didn't want a bar of that. Interesting, interesting that, John. Uh, also interesting that you like Panama Red because that was the one I took out of the race, drawn wide, um, had to add. Could never get any cover, really. Was ended up sat sort of seven-eighths down the field and then was the only one, really, to pick up meaning meaningfully from the back. Yeah, and but Scope physically as well, you know. And with it, the arse ending last year on an upward curve, I think I think she's quite interesting going forward. Yeah, never been a fan of chestnut fillies, really. I'm a bit, bit, bit like racist in terms of horse. I, I, I always think chestnuts... I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, they, they just, seems... <laughs> just 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 chest. Did diminuendo <laughs> were a chestnut? My cleaners a chestnut. So, <laughs> so a bit of horse racism from me there. I don't like chestnuts. Imagine it's weird. What a weird society we live in, though. Well, it's weird, is it? I mean, if I say no, I don't like blacks or I don't like uh, Asians or it's like, oh, you, you know, get arrested. And, uh, but I don't like chestnut fillies as a rule of thumb, um, only because like on the stats, if you if you if you I mean anyone that's got Proform software, if you put in chestnut fillies and then look at the AE, it's like below than what it's like 0.95, 0.94. So it's like chestnut fillies, whereas bears are like 1.02. But yeah, it's like it's like Hitler's superhumans, isn't it? It's like you know, it's, it's, it's I'm unprejudiced, but I get off the Hitler subject to be honest. <laughs> We want to be moving away from uh, <laughs> <laughs> only on the bastards. We, anyway, yeah, we, we can go with the uh, we can go without the bastard would support Hitler theories. What <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that Oswald Mosley was right, if you are. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, tonight. Peaky blinders, peaky blinders, yep. nine yep. pm. Uh, a bit of Oswald for you. For any uh, for any Nazis out there, but yes, yeah, so I agree with John. Panama Red with the eye catcher, and I I think Panama Red will be at least Group Three this year, um, over seven furlongs or a mile, preferably Especially a mile. Get the Claire all out and give her a rinse throw and make her into a bear. Into a bear. <laughs> Oh dear. Right, so we go on to the Ballysacks, uh, won by Pisbadil, battling back after looking beaten by Buckaroo. What a great game that was um, for Joseph, for the baby Joseph and uh, and Shane Cross. I did think Buckaroo shaped like the best in the race for me. I don't think Pisbadil will beat Buckaroo again, but that's that's what I thought on that race, John. What's your take? That's exactly what I said to somebody on Twitter yesterday. It might have been golf club. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought um, was the one most in need of the race yesterday. I, I was absolutely cursing myself because I had my bet on Swan Bay, and then I, I, I was sort of half interested in Prisma Day, and I had a little server on it actually. When Buckaroo was ranging up there, I was absolutely cursing. 
Buckerell, the baby Joseph, for me picking the wrong one of the baby Josephs, why it was his fault, I don't know, but it was. And uh, I thought I'd got done twice. I, th- I think I was probably a bit lucky to get away with it. Prismadale did very, very well to battle back. I mean, I, th- I think he's in the 110 range in there for that. I, th- I think that was a good race. Yeah, the fetus, John, the fetus. Yes. The fetus beating the baby jersey. Well, with the ad in Sissoko, he's rapidly becoming my favourite O'Brien living at the minute. Could the fetus surpass the baby jersey? It's had to say that the baby Joseph's got a knack with three-year-olds and I, I, I think he's, he's tend to come on for a run, so I'd, I'd be more inclined to judge end of the season rather than right at the start. So, well done, the fetus. He managed to beat Buckaroo. Um, but me and John both think Buckaroo is the one to take out of that. Um, in the 420 at Leopard Sound, uh, the, the Leopard Sound members handicap, um, I I looked at the race and I was all over the favourite Brazil power. I did think that that would, would win and improve massively for the trip. I got that badly wrong. And in that race, John put out action motion of Andrew Oliver's for, the, for bar stewards. And um, I, I thought John was... Well, not robbed. It wasn't off, but it's just it's, that's not the. He just he, yeah. he just it was not today. I'm afraid for action motion in that. And I thought if 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 anything, one to take out of the race as well was the second enthrallment, which was penned in uh, for a long way by Ross Ryan on the favourite, and enthrallment probably would have won had he got out. Um, and he's really one to follow over a mile and a half, mile and three quarters. It reminds me of a horse, John. Not necessarily the three, obviously three-year-olds can't get in it, but I'm thinking Ebo for enthrallment as a four or five-year-old. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, he, he looks a good type as well, I a good physical note on him. Um, another one in that race I thought couldn't do better is uh, Bridget and Noel Maid. That didn't have the best of runs through and uh, no. did actually look to me as so it might just come on for the run a bit as well, so... Yeah, trapped, trapped in on the rail, and uh, you certainly got no no daylight. But I think it's going to be an interesting race to follow. That it is, it is obviously. I mean, if you're dealing with like a uh, an early leopard sound handicap for three year olds, usually some nice types appear, and that's that looks the kind of race to follow. Just moving on to today, uh, John. I don't know if you watched anything today or not, um, but there was a couple of points and note for me at fairy house back over the jumps would you believe mm-hmm. and um there's a big woof woof award in the 330 at fairy house today for the chester cup winner um falcon eight um who strangely uh has got now it appears his own ideas about the game i thought today he absolutely I, can't, I don't want to use the well. Yeah, he cunted it. Um, completely, <laughs> absolutely. I've honestly come there, turning in, and, it, and there'd been a nice pace to run at, so there were no excuses for a horse that stays well on the flat. And he came there, and he absolutely just said no, thank you. He tried to hook, he had tried to hang in twice, and he could have gone past at any point. And then when he got daylight on the running decided he was just going to run up sides and just refuse the, which is quite weird because after the after the the winning the Chester Cup last season you're thinking this is this is quite useful yeah and then it, that was an absolute bang refusal today he, he won't get better circumstances than that 
uh, ground would have been in his favour, drying ground and everything. Yeah, so you cannot back Fal- Falcon 8 with Sterling this year. Cue, cue a run of four wins on the bounce after I've said that, John. And um, certainly last but not least today, uh, Declan Carroll of the Understarters Orders podcast, an excellent podcast. Declan has been on, of course, on our Cheltenham preview recently. And uh, he says... If you factor in the amount of times Flame Bearer was stopped in his run at Fairy House today, how far would he have won the Supreme Bite? And then obviously the champion hurdle, because that's how it works. Some chaser he's going to be, says Deck. And I, I, I urge anyone to, if you've not watched a replay of that, uh, please watch it. I, I think it's, he's a special horse, Flame Bearer. Uh, he gave them weight as well today. Um, and He's, he's smart. He's really, really smart. He did incredibly well to win that. And a big horse, and like Declan says, we'll make a chaser. So a flame bearer, um, obviously, I know it's obvious it's won. It's a bit of a blogger, blogger follower, but it's still worth watching because you just think, how the hell is that one? And he managed, he's cla- he must have an amazing amount of class and constitution to do that. So flame bearer, amazing stuff today um, at Fairy House. Okay, we shall move on to Jimmy Lindley. Normally, we have this column at the end of the show, but I just felt because we've just covered Leopardstown and stuff, it kind of just carries on with what we're talking about. We're not breaking off and changing to different subjects. So, um, John, anything? I've I've got one at Leopardstown um, that that I think will be really good for for listeners to go with um, early part of the season. You, anything that that caught your eye on uh, Saturday? Uh, the only one I put a note on that you could call a Jimmy Lindley job would be uh, Theophilos, who ran in the opener of Johnny Mercer's. But I, th- I think it's a very long-term project. Look very backward. It would probably need, as I said, about end of July, August time before he'll get this properly straight. Um, just a blatant not off ride yesterday. Uh, in, in other in other words, then we sort of looking at like two more handicapping oh, runs oh, first, oh, and yeah, and then it it might still take a bit longer, you know. So horses out with Jabal in May, I'd say Teofilo, as I say, probably mile and a half job, you know. You'd be pushing it to say be ready for anything like Ascot, but could be popping over to York or Doncaster August September term, maybe. Good stuff. I like it when you spot one like that. So that one is a long-termer for John, Theophilos. Um, that was in the opener at Leopard's Sound, the, the maiden there. So, so again, one, not one to back in the immediate, but in the longer term, says John. Uh, mine was in the 455 race at Leopard's Town, won by the very heavily backed baby Joseph horse, Hazaya. Um, I wish I was on that. Um, transferred from Mickey Halford to to the baby Joseph. Obviously got a nice, well-handicapped filly. What I noted about this race, though, it was quite slowly run. And there was a very, very big eye catcher in behind in eighth place called Desert Wind, trained by Luke Comer. It was formerly with uh, Ed Vaughan uh, when it was trained in, in the UK. Now, what's interesting about Desert Wind is it's got split marks. So the handicap has definitely split them. So he's gone 92 all weather, 84 on turf. Um, however, and this is where what's interesting, the former trainer just st- more or less started off on the all weather. He never bothered with turf. So, nat- so basically he ended up going as high as 98 uh, on the all weather. And then he actually won off 93 on the all weather. And then so the handicappers thought, well, it's not from 10 on turf. 
So I'm splitting the marks. So he's got 84 on turf. Well, as long as it's on right ground riding on top, uh, as in not soft ground, um, this horse will handle turf no problem. In fact, he's proven it in the past. He was fourth, for example, in the Britannia um, to Australia uh, back in 2018 uh, off 92. So turf has absolutely got no no problems whatsoever. Well, he's off 84 at the moment in Ireland. And you just wonder, finishing eighth, if the Irish handicapper might just drop him a pound or two, even to get down to 82, 83. But whatever, it was a race full of promise. He was sat last, made excellent late progress. And to be honest, I think he'd win nearly any decent handicap off this mark on turf. I'm that confident. I think he's a... He really is one to follow. He's, he's still an entire. They've not gelded him, so he's pretty straightforward. He doesn't pull hard or anything. You could, but obviously, Leopardstown on the turning mile probably doesn't suit. Uh, just something more of a gallop might. But I'm I'm very keen to to follow this horse this year. 84, he will make mincemeat of that mark, uh, given the right conditions. So Desert Wind is a strong follower for me on the Jimmy Lindley going forwards. Uh, very eye-catching run there at Leperstown in a slowly run race coming from the back. So hopefully that will do some good for you listeners. On that, we move on. We'll break the show up with some questions and bring bring Chris in, who's been... We've kept him in his box while we talk rubbish. And um, a question coming... Yeah, a que- a, it is. It's a boring sermon, so we need to, we need to, we need to have some fun, which, which we're going to do right now. We're going to start having some fun. Yeah. Boxing man's been on. He says, how long do you think Aidan O'Brien will carry on training? Any of you? A long time. Interesting question, though, isn't it? It would, would suggest that, that more than one person is thinking about, you know, that he's not going to be around for, for too much longer. I haven't, I haven't read anything or heard anything, but uh, no, no evidence definitely about to turn it up is there i just wonder if the fact that obviously he's lost they've lost galileo and they might be they might be in for some stormy periods until things settle down uh with regards to their stallions um but it's still worth remembering that and i think john will john will echo john will definitely echo this they have the best mares by just by by a continent um, over any other organisation, and I think I think that's the that's that's the thing really as well. That it depends on on the strategy. You know, do do they go? Do they spend more? Do do they send their mares out? You know, uh, external. Do, what do they do? You know, what what's the what's the commercial strategy with Coolmore going forward? So they're going to have to spend a bit more cash. Um, you know, uh, sending the mares elsewhere. You know, or are they going to? You know, pursue with what they've got in their own armory, Wooten Bassett, etc., etc. John, thoughts? There could be in a period of transition. Um, the, the the big issue for Aidan O'Brien is how long he can stand the pressure, really, because yeah. make no mistake, that's a high, high pressure job. Um, because basically, he's got sort of multi millionaires breathing down his neck there, wanting him to create a champion every year. Um, if there was any changes at Colmar, I couldn't see it being in any direction other than one of the boys getting the job. And uh, I think Aidan would still carry on training anyway, probably revert back to his old base and maybe just train 40 or 50. Yeah, do you think Do you think like, if, if, if change did ever come, it would be the baby or fetus? Yes. 
Not David O'Mara then. No, he's not. <laughs> Dad, he's not the picture now. Yeah. David, o- David O'Mara is sat where he belongs, right next to Anthony Britton. Um, right where, yeah, Anthony Britton keeps him in check. Um, yes, at Northgate Lodge. There we go. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, interesting to see what happens with that. But I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Aidan O'Brien will be there for. Um, a real good while yet. I don't think there's any changes foreseeable, but like John says, it's one of those, you know, he's under pressure to deliver classic winners. And of course, the problem is at the moment that the, uh, the Applebee's have the Zaruni juice and, um, and, and they're in pole position. They've, they, they've got the, they've got the best candidates uh, for the, for the, for the early classics. So we shall see what happens. Who knows? He, he, he could, could work out totally different. Luxembourg could be the best he's ever trained. Has more speed. Has more speed than Mozart, as well as the staying power of, you know, of, uh, of, of Galileo. So that, there we go. The best. It's all to come. An interesting flat season ahead, but certainly an enter, entertaining, entertaining one at that. Um, okay. Next question. Uh, good one. This. This is from Jack, punting winners Jack on Twitter. He says, how far will Royal Patronage have been Johnstoned by Donny, by Donny Handicap Day in November? Um, num- number of runs by then, official rating, dead or alive. All He wants all predictions from Bartford. So what we're saying, John, what's, what's, what's Johnston's plan? Well, I don't think it is Johnston's plan because um, I think the interesting point about this ask. Harry Herbert's already stepped up to the mic and given us a bit of a song, hasn't he? He, uh, yeah. he said, uh, we're, we're going to the Dante, you know, and I think that's kind of stopped the kilt getting any ideas about a craven 2,000 guineas um, predominant stakes. <laughs> <laughs> Dante threat for the Dante. Yeah. Um, so... I, th- I think I think we, we're not going to have the the campaign we possibly thought we might, which to me also indicates that Highclere Thoroughbreds don't have terribly much in the locker this year, because if Harry Herbert's concentrating on one particular horse like that, you know, I mean, he's not the type of man with the brain power or intellect to consider two horses this season, so. <laughs> I would, I would think if this is his big hope, they're probably in for a bit of a testing season. But I, I could say that he'll try and make all in the dante. Two, three, four of them will swipe by that have a lot more speed. Joe will get off. No, he won't. He won't let Joe ride it, will he? Um, whoever rides will get off and say, oh well, he was just keeping on. So they'll try and make the derby a bit more of a stamina test. Uh, it'll be done by the foot of Tottenham Hill. He won't be able to resist Ascot. Harry Herbert will have lost interest by then. And then I think you'll see the usual Ascot, Goodwood. Goodwood again for the March Stakes. Ledger, probably the St. Simon or Cumberland Lodge. And thank you very much. Good night, if, if the horse stays injury-free. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, look, look young, young Charlie, I think, has probably definitely got more hands-on uh, this, yes. this year. Um, and they've made, a, they've made an encouraging start with the three-year-old handicappers on the all-weather. As I said... Well, handicapped early season. I wonder if that yeah. 
I wonder if that was their plan back in the last year when he was going to sort of take over because they do seem to be running out their skins and they seem to be well treated, don't they? Yeah, I think there was definitely something in the back of uh, the kilt's mind there for the for the old uh, current bun uh, when he when he took over that he he would land 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 running so there'd be no questioning of like his trading ability or like hang on a minute your, your strike rate's worse than your dad's bloody blah, blah but yeah I think there could have been some of that Chris for sure. I think um, Bennett didn't return much sense. <laughs> yeah. He's had a lot of run at the back end of last year. He's landed himself with some well handicapped horses. And when it all goes to shit about end of May term, I think we'll both be stood there blowing bubbles like goldfish, wondering what the hell. <laughs> well, we're hold you to that prediction we'll wait we'll set our diaries for sort of first of may but you, you could you could be right i mean i probably do credit them a little bit more sort of savvy but uh he certainly sort of hit the ground running so whether by design or by you know by dumb luck who knows so jack um you have the bastards view and the chief bastard they're rather adamant that uh, they'd be blowing bubbles like goldfish um uh, this season so there we go uh, any update on the National Stud shenanigans, says Andy McGee. No, I haven't, Andy, at the moment. My snouts are quiet. So if any snouts are listening to this pod, give me a shout on the latest. Or brushed under the carpet expertly by Teddy Beckett, who's come in there, and it's it, it, it's more silent than, than... I mean, John, I mean, this is unbelievable how this has never got out. Teddy's, I mean, Teddy's closed it down like Norman Hunter, hasn't he? Well, for a while, I had a I had an investigative journalist from the Telegraph contacting me for more information, and obviously, I'm only fed little tidbits from people that don't want to be named. So there's not a lot I can do. But you me, I thought she was on about a party I was at at the back end of last year. I was, <laughs> I was shit me, so I went to phone me. Yeah, yeah. I I, I spoke to her. So I don't know what you're fucking on about. So national stuff. Uh, yeah, but uh, no. Yeah, no, interesting stuff. A good question to finish this round of questions before we move on to some serious topics. From Tory boy councillor Woodman. Oh. Uh, he's, been, he's been on and said, how does racing get away with having no female race course commentators in this time of diversity and, and, and equality, chaps? What are why, why have we got no female commentators between you? Well, it assumes that they're... I don't know. I mean, I'm no great fan of the industry, but I, I, I guess, I mean, it assumes by, by, by sort of implicit in his question that, that there are lots and lots of uh, women that want to become race course commentators and, and are somehow prevented from doing so by structural misogyny. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know whether there's a barrier to, to, to women becoming commentators. There certainly isn't any sort of barrier in terms of uh, the terrestrial media. Um, so so I, I don't know, really. John? Do you think Lydia Hislop is disappointed that her life didn't take a different turn and she's not bellowing <laughs> like a bull with a red hot poker up its ass like Mike Mark Johnston is or so long ago <laughs> in a handicap at Southern? I think not. Um, I think most women are far too sensible to get involved in shit like that. Um, well, it, it's very much a, a boy thing, I think, and. Uh, Lads tend to... But do, do you think there'd be a barrier to them doing so? It, it, Absolutely it, not. They'd encourage it. Yeah, I, I don't think there would be. I, so I, I think the absence is that, as you say, kind of women don't really want to do it. Not well, in, not... 
I'm, I'm, go- I'm gonna be. I, I, I might as well get the full box set for the show, haven't I? I've always, I've already been horse races, so I might as well become sexist um, on the same show. Um, I, I generally feel, chaps, that when it comes to sports commentary, I cool. think, cool. I think women, women make excellent pundits in terms of. I've heard them on cricket, golf, and football. Yeah, but 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 not when it comes to commentary. I'm sorry, I can't have it. Right, the the the, the point is when you commentate on a horse race, you're building up excitement for the listener, and that's not to say women aren't excited, but it's just the <laughs> it's just the fact. Right, it's all to do with voice level. So everyone moans in racing about Mark Johnson because he he shouts and screams, and and the the same thing. If a woman gets excited. Um, where am I going with this? Um, if, <laughs> if a woman gets excited, yeah, no, 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 this is like we, we were going with this. Um, so, so, so you know, the, the voice pattern gets higher, right? So uh, the voice pitch gets higher, and it doesn't sound like it, it's it kind of grating. It's not, it's not like, for example, right? Tom Durkin, the great American commentator that did many breeders' cups, you know, he did the ar ar you know you need that because well, when right so when when a, a male voice which has got naturally lower uh, lower uh, tone if you like um but when he commentates it's the fact that 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 comes across when he gets excited the pitch gets higher from a male because you're getting excited all of a sudden you, oh wow oh wow this is happening oh wow right so it gets higher but not too high when a woman commentates if you've ever heard on match of the day and and they get they celebrate a goal and they go and it's like it gets the pitch is really high, and I don't I, I genuinely don't think that's suitable for commentary. I think I think you start the the pitch is normal and then it gets up to a certain level, and I think that's where I think that's why women aren't aren't commentators as a rule. And I'll give an example of this: Golden Gate Fields employed. Um, a, a, well, you know, she's she's a real good journalist. Good. She she tried her hand at commentating. Um, she was called. I'm um, just doing my research. I think Angela Angela Herman, and um, she she was doing uh, the Golden Gate Fields commentary for for the last sort of last period of the meet meet to give her a try to see you know, and she was dreadful. I, I, it's just it, that, I, I, I'll I'll say it as it. If she was good, she'd have been kept on. It, this is not about equality. I, I genuinely feel that 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 women as a rule because of their pitch level, do not make good commentators. Because that's why I don't think Mark Johnson is a particularly good commentator, because Mark Johnson is too excited and too shouty. And I think that's where that's where the, I've not heard a good a good woman commentator because of that. There's not been many of them to listen to, I suppose, other people will argue. But there's, I've heard enough in football when a goal goes in to go, no, that grates on me. So yeah. there we go. Uh, that's 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 my stance. It might you people will go, what a what a sexist idiot, bloody but no, it's not. It's just that's how it is. I like women pundits. Women had a lot in punditry in terms of uh, knowledge, and uh, I, you know I enjoy some women pundits on the golf and 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 cricket. Uh, and cricket commentary is easy because it's a slow paced game. You can you can commentate on cricket no problem. But when a fast paced game and you have to build excitement, the problem with women they can build excitement, but the voice gets higher pitched and you know and, and screechier, and it just doesn't doesn't work. That's sorry, 
that's that's where I'm at. So we need a low voice, low tone voice. In fact, trans, trans people. Let's. In fact, we we've done everything this this year. Let's go on to trans people. Trans people could then get a get a job, and for, instead of beating women by lengths in swimming pools, right? You know, they, they can have racing commentators. They can often race because they've got the pitch. They've got they've got the right tone of pitch. So so that's it. They're involved in, yeah, great for racing. Racing can fly its LGBT flag and you know and say we've employed as first trans commentator and Ma- that's it. Mariella Frostrup's got a low lace, couldn't she, Dilly? Oh, you like yeah, absolutely. I, John, I know, what you, I know what you're thinking of with Mariella yeah. Frostrup in her voice. Pound uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say make an innocent suggestion and it's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we we all know John, like Lorraine Kelly. John, we all know. <laughs> Can you see my growler? <laughs> That's a question for Katie Price again, isn't it? Yeah, Lorraine Kelly live. Right, so we move on to um, swiftly. <laughs> yeah, swiftly after all that rubbish. Um, you can you can skip that if you've got your bookmarks. Uh, gra- <laughs> but you've already listened to it. So ground, ground time. <laughs> ground. Aintree watering dilemma as Clark ponders what to do this week, John. Like rain showers forecasts all over the place. The going's firm, hard in places. What's he gonna do, John? Well, he'll be a twat, won't he? And he'll stick water on. If, if this Farago had existed in the 70s, red rum would never have existed. Mm. He, probably have, he probably wouldn't have won a national. No. Mr. Frisk, Mr. Frisk's rum will never get beaten, will it? Track record. Never get beat. No. It's, 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 we're going through a time where I'm afraid... We, it's probably to do with the times we live in, where every, you can see with the gambling review, everything's safety and safety's paramount over over living. Really, you, you know, we we don't do this because we might die, or we might, you know, we don't do this because we might do our brains. In. For the fact that this is safe, what they're doing, yeah, that's the point. You know, I mean, loose on top, tendons wrenched left, right, and centre. And it'll be classed as injured on good ground, so we need it softer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, we've had a few comments on this from listeners, and uh, Gurney's been on saying, uh, Bucky's saying that racing is uncompetitive just because the jollies went through the card. It's basically uh, good, good grounds making it easier for punters. Same as Philbo Bagshot saying that, um, you know, 11 favourites winning at the, uh, at the Scottish National Meeting. Um, you know, like on good ground, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, a lot of punters looking at the psychology, maybe that the watering to get the change in results, and it's interesting because I, I sent you chaps some stats earlier on this, um, yeah. and it's 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 from 2010. Um, the the state of the ground on actual time based ground since 2010, and the stats are quite damning in terms of. If the ground is good or quicker, you 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 basically you'd make money on Betfair blind back in each favourite. So that's an incredible statistic when you think about it. How difficult racing is to win at. Well, if you it, and this is after two percent commission. So if you started in two thousand and ten with a pound win on every favourite on 
uh, good ground, time-based good ground or better. And I know people say, well, how do you know it's good ground after one race? Well, you'd have to look at one race, wouldn't you? And then hope that the favourite wins first if it is good to soft and you stop at there. But yeah, so... 257 points profit. So you'd be 257 quid up on good or better ground. And whereas, and so you do the opposite just to make sure it's not like a, a trend. If you do it on turf, this is flat only, remember, uh, since 2010, pound, a pound win on each favourite on good to soft or worse, the, the result is you lose £704 on Betfair SP. So... I mean, it's it, the results are damning. Clear, clearly, good ground or better, genuine good ground or better, suits punters. That's that's a fact. That's a betting fact. That that's that's since 2010. That's massive. That's that's a lot of data. In fact, the number of horses uh, analysed: 44,392 favourites. So we're not talking about, you know, uh, well, a few favourites have gone in. 44,000 favourites analysed. You make 257 quid if it's good or better. Backing and blind. No no expertise, no info, no nothing. So it shows you that I'm afraid you could argue that some punters are right to be sinister, that this watering is, is not... Don't forget, that a lot. Who, who are the tracks owned by, John? Some of the tracks owned by. Well, exactly. It's, uh, it, it just goes to show the old adage, doesn't it? If the ground is good or quicker, it's worth a couple of nicker. <laughs> if the ground is good or slower, make sure your stakes are lower. Absolutely brilliant. Bingo. Yeah, that that's the bastard slogan going forwards. Yes. That's it. When you're moaning about your punting times, that's that's a good one to come back to. And the stats bear that up. So no matter what people say, conspiracy theorists going about, oh, it's for it, it, it's to conspire against punters. Well, I'm sorry, the stats are there. And and you know, bookmakers scream for rain. They 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 want false results. Darby Dazzler's been on. He says, Can you discuss horses getting pulled out on good to soft? Um, I mean, we take the piss out of watering. But what are they actually aiming at, if that's the case? Or is the declared, declared going just totally pointless now the clerk is too busy uh, eating his butties in the morning, John? Well, I think that's a fair point, because we had this last week where we were saying a seven, 7 o'clock going stick raining means very little, really, in relation to what serious punters want to know. I would imagine... Uh, Probably 10, 10 to twenty percent of racing professionals, the trainers, actually do give a monkey's what they're running their arses on. And if they walk a course and decide it's not for them, they're going to pull out. Um, whether it's good, good to soft, whatever. I mean, we had a spate of withdrawals yesterday at Newbury. Um, I, I take it he hadn't watered, or had he watered down to good to soft or something. Yeah, I, th- I think I think basically t- too quick. Um, that that was the thing. That was a. Uh, but again, again, this the, I, I think it comes from the trainers as well because obviously they they don't want they've got this view now that national hunt horses don't want to be risked on on anything like decent yeah. ground and and that's that's the, that's where that's where we're at. So maybe it's not just the Clark's fault. It's trainers as well that are screaming for a certain type of ground. There's a lot and of people in there that just think, oh, it's not safe, it's good, it's quicker. You know, and half of the time they're just looking at their house and thinking, oh, we can't risk him, can't risk him. 
you know, for me, I, th- I think good ground should be found for any horse, really. He, sh- he should. He should, as long as there's no firm in the description for national horses. Well, um, unless you've bred an absolute raspberry that's got shoulders like Mike Tyson and bobbering <laughs> the fucking ground like, like a pneumatic drill, you know. I mean, for God's sake, you know, the... The bread to be hardy, sturdy runners, for God's sake. Well, that's yeah. the other thing, John. I always thought summer jump racing as well, and I always count sort of like after Cheltenham spring race, spring yeah. summer jump racing, right? Yeah. I always thought that that was helped a lot of the flatbreads, helped a yeah. lot of the, you know, because they, they don't go on the winter suit. So the winter suit brigade, with like you said, John, with the heavy shoulders and the weighing 520 kilos, you know, you put them away until next whatever. And you know, it's it's now is the time for you know for for horses a bit lighter on the feet, lighter frame types to um to probably enjoy you know uh, yeah. you know some yeah it's anyway that's that yeah I I agree with all comments on this um so I've got some good comments. Sean Powell says, can all weather all weather be transferred to grass? <laughs> We 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 we're different on this, John, aren't we? We 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 want the we want all, all tracks to be all weather. Yes, um, I, yeah. I I can't make a case for grass the way it's currently managed. Sorry, um, you know, I, I would happily have every course in the country tapete. Yeah, no, we we have touched on that before, and as long as it's sprayed green, I think yeah. we'll cope. Yep. Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with spraying it green. It gives you that feel. It gives you that that yeah. turf look. I'd you know, you're not make it purple to be honest. <laughs> well, like the, the, the purple rinses. No, you know, I, the purple. I just think there was something wrong with me telly then. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll move on to the briny frost issue, which, of course, if you've not picked up a newspaper or you've not not managed to catch up that uh, the appeal of Robbie Dunn was heard this week and was reduced to 10 months um, from an initial uh, uh, was it 18 month ban chaps I think it was yeah, initially it was. down to 10 and um, Robbie's free to ride from the start of the next national hunt season official which is October the 9th at Crapster um, now, I'll obviously, bet, I bet him to become champion jockey next season. <laughs> more, more, more rides than ever. So, yeah. interesting. Um, I, um, I would like to hear both your thoughts on this, please, chaps. I, I know you've got good views on it. So, Chris, I'll come to you. What, what, what's your view on this whole affair and especially the cut down in appeal? Well, it's, it, it's, I think it, you should fall under disappointing. I, I wouldn't say that the reduction uh, in the sentence was inevitable because your regular correspondent, Chris Paul, sending sorts of bugles and after timing comments. But I, I think Helen Sheridan uh, made a very good point. Uh, and, and she sort of said in, in the sort of civil litigation world, you know, if you go to the high court and you get a judgment, that you think uh, and you get leave for grounds for appeal, you go to the Court of Appeal. If you don't like that decision and, and you get leave to appeal, you can go to the Supreme Court. Now, as you climb the legal totem pole, the rule of thumb is, is that the quality of judges that you get will be better. You know, they'll be more eminent, more experienced. You know, so, so you, the, the higher you get, the cleverer you get until you get to Supreme Court, where in theory you have, you know, the UK's finest legal minds. And what seems to have happened here, 
uh, with, with no real disrespect to any of the individuals, is that the, the quality um, dropped off in terms of the the panel that were asked to consider the appeal. So what you had is a panel of non-specialists. I think there was a, a tax lawyer there as well. You know, great if you're doing uh, company corporate mergers and acquisitions, but not much good when you're considering, you know, effectively injury to the person. So I think I think the the, the downgrading or the reduction in the in the penalty is a symptom of, of the fact that the panel wasn't as good as the first panel. And that's to put it in very crude terms. So, so I think it's really disappointing, sends a bad message. And of course, you will see, as sure as eggs is eggs, that when Robbie Dunn comes back, there'll be millions of trainers wanting to support him. You know, and conversely, Bryony Frost has had a, a you know, a, a real downgrade in the quality and number of our rides. But Robbie, everyone will rally around Robbie Dunn, I bet your bottom dollar. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 I agree with most of what you've said there, Chris. Most? Um, what do you mean most? Yeah, most. Well, I'm, you not, know, not, not, not quite all. Um, I'll, I'll come on to my reply at the end. Um, John? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit contrary on this. Oh, we like contrary. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the thing about this at the time... When the original sentence was passed, I thought, yes, good enough for him. He's clearly been a right bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I read the reports from the trial. Two excellent pieces by Lydia and uh, I think it was Lee Mottershead that wrote the other one yes. that I read. Yeah. That was good. yeah. Um, and then I, I consulted a, a legal guru who I happen to know um, from uh, way back when. And... Uh, I discussed things with him, as I tend to do with most things legal, especially involving myself. And uh, I said, what did you think about the reduction in the sentence? And he said, well, rather than just as a standalone case, he said, compare it with the O'Shane Murphy ban, where he's got a year, Dunn's got a year and a half, and then look at it from the view of both panels and say, well, Murphy endangered people's health and safety, COVID and drink, lied for three or four months about it, yeah. and basically won the Jockeys Championship by cheating. Did he deserve a ban that was 66% of the Robbie Dunn ban when... Robbie Dunn has had an admittedly prolonged altercation with a Wayne Rome colleague and take into account the both PGA members, the PGA and the BHA didn't have a code of conduct at the time written up. Um, the PGA chair quit shortly after the first verdict. Um, you know, I think... On balance, I think we could have expected this ban to be reduced. I'm not saying it's right, but I think when you look at the wider picture and how long some bans are for, you take that into account. Yeah. I think 12 months is probably what we maybe should have been expecting. Yeah, no, it's, it's fair comment. Very fair comment. Um, I, I, I wanted to touch on 
more about uh, Bryony's riding since this has all took place. Um, and I, I did. I will publish these stats uh, on the Barstow's Twitter, so you can look, so everyone can look. But um, I, I think the last two seasons have been markedly poorer than a previous three, and um, especially this season, where she's just ten percent uh, January, February, March. Um, she's been as high as twenty three percent January, February, March, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Soon as this shit's hitting the fan. Um, I, I genuinely think she's been affected, and I, I've watched her ride in the last few months actually. And honestly, I think she's regressed as a jockey. I don't, I'm not afraid to say it. I, I don't know if that I don't know if it's this case that's playing on her mind, or if she's just lost the heart or the will for it, or whatever, or what what what, or what it is. But there's there's something in these stats that that aren't just random. Is it not? And, the- Rides, do you think it could it be a combination of factors that she's not getting on the better horses now, and uh, as opposed to just her sort of falling out of love with it, or, is, or, or do you think purely, you know, something going on between her ears that she doesn't fancy it anymore? Yeah, uh, pretty much that because because the expected wins are, are not not right. on par, right. you know, like like uh, her average over expected is 0.62 okay. this year. Okay. She's five winners below where she should be. Right. Um, which is quite high in, in three months of riding to be five yeah. winners out away. You should be on unexpected stats. There's there's a clear trend difference in the last two years in her riding, and it's gradually got worse. The pattern the patterns like continually going going downwards, and I'm of the belief that this has affected her more than probably what she'll let on and what people will let on because as we know, confidence when riding is everything. Um, that confidence to make the right decision at the right time, the the, the, the confidence to the horse that you give as a jockey, I, I, everything about it. I, I just think if, if you want to be there and you enjoy your job and you, you're thriving and you're busting and you're trying, it, it, it'll it add another 10, 20% to your game. And I, I reckon she's lost a merger. And that's 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 where I'm I, at. On the... Yeah, I mean, I've seen her, albeit not with your expert eye, I've seen her ride some shockers. Um, this season, uh, whereas you know previously you, you could almost guarantee that she'd be giving a horse a good ride, but I've seen her put some horrible rides together. So, so I, I, she certainly isn't the jockey that she was for sure, whatever the reason. No, I. Sorry, I, I'm gone. I, I think she's trying to ride like Kung Fu before he was allowed to leave the temple. <laughs> before he ended up in a cupboard in Thailand. No, you, you know where the roll out the race paper. Yes. And he had to walk the race paper without leaving a footprint. Yes. Mm. She's riding like that. She's trying not to leave a footprint. She's keeping out the way. Mm. And I've even noticed it in races where she's led. She's got the fence. She's not deviated. She's not going anybody's way. Horses have dropped back and she's just fizzled out and kept kept a straight line and everything. I, I just get the impression she... She's lost all the confidence. Yeah, that competitive edge is gone. Yeah, it? the mojo ain't there. Yeah. 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 And, and it wouldn't be a biggie surprise if, if you know, if she if she ended up, you know, uh, sort of saying that's it, enough's enough. Yeah. And that would be one in the eye for the BHA, to be honest, if she did that. Because I, th- I think, uh, and for racing, because I, th- I think that's, that's basically saying to people, look, this is what's happened. You know, I, I feel like I've been forced out. I feel I feel like I've I've not had the support 
that I needed. Um, you, you see, the, the outcry, not outcry, it's not the word, the, the support that Robbie Dunn received from within the Wayne room would tell you that 90% of the Wayne room didn't think he was on dodgy ground by what he was doing anyway. No. Due to this lack of a code of conduct and a lack of rules, discipline, professionalism even within that Wayne room, you know, and that is down to the PGA and the BHA for not bossing it to start with, which it should have been, should have been bossed for years, hasn't been. People like Dunn act like that because some fucker lets them, not yeah. because they're just mavericks and do as they like. No, it, it's because it's it's okay, you know. The so, yeah, it's a prevailing culture. There's nothing weird about what he's doing. Like we all do it. It's been done since time immemorial. What's the problem? This is how yeah. the Wayne Room operates. Exactly. That, that's the problem, isn't it? And, and I that's think what, that's wants cleaning up, not yeah. banning jockeys for X amount of time. It wants stopping. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you know you're right. The imposition of a code of conduct, proper policing. But you have to wonder what kind of people. You know, what kind of families, what kind of strata of society do these people come from where they think it's all right? You know, yeah, you don't need rules and regs to, to, well, I hope you don't need rules and regs to tell you how to behave like a decent human being. You know, so you've got to wonder, haven't you, what what kind of people are these these characters? I don't know. Well, well, exactly. I mean, I I debated with somebody not so long ago about the existence of God. And this this person I was debating with said... uh, well, if there was no God, no bad, you, you could murder and rape as much as you wanted to. And I said, well, I do. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, <laughs> I said I rape and murder as much as I want to, which is, which not, is not at all. Yeah, which is not at all. No. So, yeah, 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 this sense that you need rules to keep a lid on a boiling cauldron or pressure cooker of sort of lust and bad language is nonsense. You know, yeah. deep, most decent people... No, it's not okay to to, to bully colleagues, terrorise colleagues, and you know, um, um, and, and humiliate them. I don't need no. to tell me not to do that. Well, I hope not anyway. Clearly, they do. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's my point. What kind yeah. of people need to be told yeah. not to do that? You think fucking hell? Yeah. No, I mean, superbly summed up by you two there, I think, on on Bryony Frost. Some stats to add there as well. I'm going to close the show off now. We've, we've, we've outrun our time. Um, just, just to remind you what's coming up this week, um, there's a Bar Steward special coming up on the uh, Gambling Review. And joining me is uh, Tory uh, Councillor and Secretary to Andrew Bridging, Andrew Woodman, and Nick Phillips, from Gambling Guardian. To, we don't do echo chambers on the bar stewards, so listen lively for that. That's coming up on Wednesday. And uh, as normal, we are back with Friday with our entry Grand National Outlook. And uh, we're back next Sunday, us three, talking more uh, bigotry, sexism, uh, racism, and Nazis. Um, hope you enjoyed this show, and uh, we'll try and match it again next Sunday. I enjoyed it. That's all from me, John and Chris. Bye for now. <laughs>